when things trigger you, when things come up, right? You know, somebody cuts you off and you realize you're more angry than you should be, right? It's like, it's, it's a bubbling up. And really what that anger is, it is kind of an energetic reaction to the world and its entirety, right? Because we pick up on people's energy we don't realize that we have. So my feeling is in that moment to recognize that that's not me. My anger reactions, my reactions to certain things, oftentimes they have nothing to do with me. And if I can remind myself that the core of my being is a kind and good person and that that's my best self. Okay, it basically comes down to this. You have to forget everything your culture has told you about being a woman, and then you can begin your day. Hi, I'm Jill Sorensen, and you are listening to the new feminist podcast, the place for common sense feminism. A lot of us, me included, feel like crap right now. There's a war. There's chaos and discord in the world. It's hard to stay centered and on track sometimes. We're living in a world seemingly out of balance, with more people than ever dealing with mental health issues around us. So how do we stay healthy and focused and still show up and do the work we're here to do? Thankfully, today I'm speaking to the perfect person who can help us with that. Mariel Hemingway, an actress, producer, and author of many books, has spent a lifetime studying how mental health and physical health is linked. She's a wellness and mental health advocate who focuses on how you can transform negative messages and influences into healing and to living a healthier, more meaningful life. I thought you would love her advice. I certainly do. Mariel, I am so grateful that you're taking time to come on the New Feminist Podcast. I'm going to just dive right into the questions. Um, Never before has mental health been more important because of the apparent chaos in the world. And you have focused on your career besides acting and written books about mental and physical well-being. What brought you to that? Uh, you know, I've, I've always had a passion for physical, physical health having grown. I mean, you're, you've been to Idaho, so you know how beautiful it is. I grew up here, um, and being outside and being in nature was really a solace for me, uh, because my household, though I loved my family, there was a lot of, um, turmoil, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have stories. Um, so mental and physical well-being really became the way that I sought a sense of peace for myself. Um, I wasn't always super balanced. I was extreme in the way that I ate and I over-exercised. I did a lot of things kind of to extreme. 
But that's kind of how we learn in life as we go to these extremes and then we come back to the middle and, and we understand ourselves a little bit better by, by the experiences that we've had over, over our, our lifespan. And, and it's gotten me to a place where uh, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual balance is incredibly important um, for your health and well-being. Mm-hmm. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. So I read you grew up, as you mentioned, with addicted and depressed parents, a mentally ill sister, and a grandfather who killed himself. How did that color your life and outlook and your beliefs about yourself? Well, you know, uh, I didn't really understand my grandfather's issues until I was 16 years old. I was actually in the house that he had here in uh, here in Idaho, in Ketchum, Idaho, I was in the house and I realized, I thought to myself, gosh, I'd never come in this door. And I was asked to bring something. I was 16 years old to bring something from the outside through this door to the inside. And I, I was resistant to go through the store. And I realized as a child, I never went in that door. Well, it turns out that's where my father had taken his life. And I found it interesting that I never knew that he had t- taken his life, committed suicide um, until that time. I knew that there was it, there were issues in my family. I mean, I grew up with my oldest sister, who's still alive, um, having mental health issues, but nobody really knew back then what it was. So it was a, it was a tumultuous uh, childhood in the sense that I was always afraid that I would end up like either like my sisters or, or, or something would happen. And then almost as though her virus and that you could catch it, you know, I knew, knowing nothing about mental health. So what it did is it put me in a, in a fight or flight mode, pretty much a great deal of my childhood. I didn't realize that it wasn't, it wasn't conscious. Nobody was trying to do that to me, but I, felt as though I better be careful and I better be on watch at all times. My mother had terminal cancer when I was very, very young. I became a primary caregiver. So all of those issues, my dad being an alcoholic, my mother had cancer. She drank too much. My sisters drank too much. They were a lot older than me. And and their interactions were always just incredibly... They, they were scary for it. There was lots of noise, but there was no, there was actually no intimacy, no communication. So what it did to me is it made me think that I had to be the person that fixed Yeah, it. yeah. I was going to well, fix that's everybody in the family. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So at the grand old age of probably, you know, nine or 10 years old, I decided that I'd be the one that could help everybody get through all this you know and those are the choices we make we all play roles in our family Mm -hmm. and uh but what was great about it is that it led me towards you know i was vegan for many years i was always outside and using nature and moving my body whether or not i did too much of it at least it was an avenue of addictive behavior that was towards something healthy and good and and what that did was it led me to a life that now I'm balanced. I actually love myself. 
you know, which used to embarrass me to even say, I thought that was so like, I thought that was a weird and arrogant thing to have talked about. I was like, you don't say that. That's like creepy. And that's like the most important thing now you realize. You know, that's the achievement that any, any woman, any man, anybody want. You want to be good in yourself. So it's led me to really understanding mental and physical balance, really understanding the the need for self-care, self-compassion, self-love through the lifestyle choices we make, through the simple things that we do in our mm-hmm. lives. Okay. Well, here's your cat. <laughs> I know my dog is crazy. Yes. That's what you just heard. That was the meow. Um, I was not meowing. <laughs> Yeah, and animals are very oh, healing yeah. too, I find. Yeah. I love having them around. Yeah. So during COVID and also now with all with the war and all this uncertainty all around us, many people who never suffered from depression before, they do now. What are some of the things that you personally do to feel centered and to feel good? Oh my gosh, there are so many things that I do, but I I really believe that how we start our day kind of informs how the day plays out. So I wake up incredibly early. I'm I'm an early resident, my thing always happen. Uh, I meditate, I do breathing exercises, Probably the first thing I do is I drink good water. (laughs) You know, I put minerals in it. And then, you know, I make coffee or tea. And I'm very mindful of how I do everything, especially in the morning. You know, as the day goes on, we get busy and we get frenetic. And, you know, we have schedules, been a podcast to do or whatever. But, you know, really how you start your day is so incredibly important. So I'm very mindful of like pouring the tea leaves in pouring the hot water over, smelling it, you know, doing, doing those simple tasks that we do every single day of our lives and doing them with intention and, and real focus can really inform your day. Then in meditation, I, you know, I, I write a self-compassion letter to myself, you know, dear Marielle, you know, blah, 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 whatever I got, you know, we're in this together. It sounds kind of silly and a bit woo-woo, but those things open up uh, channels in you for, to be more conscious, more balanced, and more aware, and more able to find joy in the everyday moment. And what that does, how I start my day, enables me to be incredibly present so that when I meet with you, I'm here with you. I, you know, maybe the cat's in the room, but at least I have my focus is really like, what are we talking about? What are we doing? What is this, this moment right here? There's nothing else. You know, there's no problem in this moment. Right. And I think it's really important in the world that we live in, live, you know, we, we worry about a virus, we worry about a war that, that very few of us can do too much about. I mean, we can speak out, we can say, you know, you can folk guide people towards helping somehow, some way. But the best thing that we can do is stay present in the moment, take time every day to send out energy and love and kindness to where you think it will be helpful. Because believe it or not, our our mental ability, our our our, our ability to kind of push our energy towards 
who you want to send healing to or something. It's all very powerful. But, you know, the power of prayer, the power of meditation, the power of focus, the power of energy is extraordinarily untapped, especially in this culture. I mean, in, in Eastern cultures, we, you know, they're much more like, you know, aware of the power of that. Completely. And I think, as, yeah. especially as living in America, I think if we had more of a sense that coming together, even in thought, in the practice of, of, of our energy, being loving and kind, sending blood and, and kindness and light off to Ukraine and Russia, whatever in the world where you feel a passion or, or a desire, it really is helpful. I'm not saying it's going to stop the war, but I'm, I'm saying that energy of all of us collectively coming together, I think it's really important. And I think it's a very important thing for people that fear getting sick. That's your big fear. First of all, acknowledge it, allow it to be, don't run from it. And then start putting the energy out, focusing on what you want, not what you don't want. That's incredibly important. Well, that, that's a really, really good point because it's easy to focus on what's wrong and not what's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and it's kind of like, you know, in my social media, not that I have a tremendous following, but in my social media, I kind of, I just think there's so many people out there, you know, chiming in about this, chiming in about that and angry and, you know, everybody... People are slapping people. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the thing is, if we can just say to ourselves, I just want to put goodness out there, there's enough bad in the world. Right. right? So, so I think it's our responsibility as kind of conscious humans to really put our best foot forward. And the best foot forward is not a, a, a voice of complaint or criticism. Now, that doesn't mean that there are not people out there that should be speaking up. That that's their job. Mm -hmm. It's not my job. My job is to be my best self, be loving, be kind. And, and if I can affect my own small environment, you know, if I'm kind to you and kind to somebody I see on the street, that has a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. you know? And I believe that matters, you know, because I, I think that we can only do what we can do in our backyard. I Absolutely. mean, we can do social media stuff, but really, is that is that really affecting people? Is that really touching people's souls and hearts because you know human beings need interaction they need social interaction they need touch they need to look at, at somebody in the eyes you know and and we have distanced ourselves from that and and logically so we have this virus you know all that stuff which it makes sense but we've got to get back to being able to be with people touch people mm -hmm. you know meet with people it's important for our mental health. Really important. So let me ask you, when you take in this chaos from the world, do, what do you do throughout the day? Do you take a moment to meditate? Or when something triggers you, what do you do? Because it happens all day long. Like you, you have your morning routine. What do you do throughout the day? Well, like I said, the way I start my day usually informs how my day is going. To be because I will make an intention in my meditation that this is how I see my day uh -huh. panning out. So that when things trigger you, when things come up, right? You know, somebody cuts you off and you realize you're more angry than you should be, right? It's like, it's, it's a bubbling up. And really what that anger is, it is kind of an energetic reaction to the world 
in its entirety, right? Because we pick up on people's energy we don't realize that we have. So my feeling is in that moment to recognize that that's not me. My anger reactions, my reactions to certain things, oftentimes they have nothing to do with me. And if I can remind myself that the core of my being is a kind and good person and that that's my best self. It doesn't mean I always act like my best self because, you know, those moments, those trigger moments happen. And I do feel, you know, angry and I want to <laughs> spend just like everybody else. You just want to yell at somebody or something. But if you realize that usually those patterns come from some someone or something else. And so if you just recognize, oh, wow, that's not me. And sometimes I will say something horrible, but I was taught by a wonderful spiritual teacher of mine. She said, all you have to do every time that a kind of a negative thought and you you want to say something nasty to the driver that cut you off or that you cut off because they're going too slow, you say, cancel, cancel, cancel. And then you send the blessing. So after you've said that nasty thing, which we do because we're human, you say, cancel, cancel, cancel. I send so-and-so a blessing or I send that person that cut me off a blessing. You know, I send them love. You know, maybe they're having a bad day, right? If you can make yourself aware of the amount of times that something triggers or something negative comes out and you cancel that thought with a good thought. It trains the mind to be in a present and kind place. And to be in a present and kind place changes the world. That's my opinion. I really believe that we have the ability simply to do these small things that will change at least our environment. And then that environment will spread, right? Mm -hmm. So there's my belief. And what about right before you go to bed? Do you what do you have anything you do before before bedtime? I do actually. Um, Bobby, my light partner, we uh, what does he call it? He calls it something specific. Where it's kind of a redo of the day. So we we'll go. We kind of do. It's like a projection. You kind of go through the movie of your day, right? Closing your eyes, you're about to go to sleep, and you think about the day, and and those things that pop up that you overreacted to or whatever and you think and then you just redo it so you do it in your mind as though you did it differently oh, right wow. and when you readjust the view it it that's, that's slowly yeah it is it, it it's powerful because the next day you do it differently because wow. if the last thought of, of the night before you go to sleep, because you go into that subconscious world, and if the last thought of your conscious thought is a is 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 a thought that was like a correction, and 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 you made it you, you made a different choice, a loving kind choice. So the following you- day, your day will be more like that. So this it has this cumulative effect. It's subtle. But, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes I, I do a lot of speaking engagements and mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm really nervous. I'll think, oh, my God, there's going to be like, you know, 700 people there. I'm nervous. I'm scared. What if I, you know, whatever. The night before, I will imagine that I also will just say my intention will be this will be great. I will be spoken through. This is not about me. This is bigger than me. 
AI will, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you imagine the day that you want to have. And when I do it, I swear to God, that's how it unfolds. Wow. For me. Mm-hmm. It's just like mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, I wish I could do it again an Oscar, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it, it is. I am obsessed with hearing about these routines because I believe come, coming late to this and that is the only way to do it. I just want to ask really quick because the next day was actually about, the uh, next question was actually about the morning routine. But how much time do you spend on your morning routine? And how much time on your evening routine? That is it so, 10 minutes? The it an evening hour? routine, it... I usually fall asleep pretty quick. And... <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You don't read the news. I'm reading the news at no, night. I got to stop. Don't. I'm like, losing and, my mind. And here's another thing. I turn the fo- I Well, you know, I'm, and, and please, when I tell you these things, it's not like I'm, I'm a cynic and I do them all perfectly. <laughs> but for the most part, no. I turn myself off by 8 p.m., right? The phone is off. What? Uh, I turn the Good. phone off. It doesn't mean I'm not watching, uh, you know, Netflix or, you know, watching a show. I, you know, I've been an actor. So my whole life, I love to watch movies and, you know, like I love Right. It's just like my thing. But, and in the, you know, that I do, I also put uh, a blue light blocker at night because you actually need the light during the day. But, but so those night routines are, they're short, you know, that's five minutes before I go to sleep. The morning is really the focus time. Right. I have most energy in the morning. That's kind of when I wake up and I'm vital or, you know, my brain is thinking properly and really clear. Um, so I spend about an hour to an hour and a half on, wow, I love that. So I, I spend a good amount of time. And if, and, you know, and if I'm on the road, if I'm working, if I'm doing something, I plan for that. I, you know, if I've got a meeting at eight or nine a.m., I'll get up at six or, wow. or five, you know, so that I have enough time to do that, feel myself in my body. But sleep's incredibly important. So, I mean, I feel like a little kid. I'm like the kid that has to go to bed at like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm so not a night person. Like Europe just screws me up. I'm like, <laughs> what? You're eating at work time? Are you kidding me? I, I know I'm like an old person, but I'm always Do you have exercise and oh. because I got your know, body and I guard our sleep because we know how incredibly important it is as we age to get right. enough sleep to recover. You know, your body, your brain needs that time. Sleep is regenerative. It's, re- it's recovery for the brain. It's recovery for the body. So it's just really important. And, and those things. I find, you know, being kind of focused on my mental, physical, and emotional and spiritual health is like my, it's like the best job ever. I think it's a fascinating thing. People will say, oh, it's, you know, it's such a pain in the butt. You gotta, oh, you eat so strictly. I don't think of it as strictly. I think like, oh my God, how I am creating habits that are making me better every day what's horrible about that and and by the way if you do things long enough they become your joy Mm -hmm. right you you're like you know uh, but i do say to people who don't exercise a lot and they want to start something i say hey start with something you love and start with something easy and don't do too much if you want to start meditating you don't have to start with an hour start with five minutes 
and add a minute a week. Right, you know, just right. do it slow mm-hmm. and take off, take small bites of this new way of being and give yourself, you know, give yourself a break. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. You just do what you can do and you grow and you build on that. Because ultimately, if you do it and you make a commitment to that doing of good things for yourself and taking time for yourself, especially taking time for silence, that accumulates. And you can't imagine how it just it just polishes your life. Totally. You just feel mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I am so interested in that. And you include exercise in that in the morning too, right? Or, yes. 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 Mm-hmm. I do. I, I mean, I no, that hour and a half is that's before I start. Oh wow. Moving. Okay. So that I mean I I I get to be fair, I do my what you know, I go, I drink my water, blah, blah, blah. And then I I actually do kind of a, a stretching routine. Uh, because your body has been cooling all night. It's like it's you're lying on your back, you're lying on your side. And what happens is the blood pools into one area. So your body's stiffer. And so you want to wake your body up and start moving it kind of gently. So Bobby and I do this. He actually taught it to me, this kind of routine of just like moving the body very subtly, just subtle movements in the hips, subtle movements in the ankles. Subtle movements, but it wakes up your body and then, you know, the, you know, blood starts to flow. We do a lot of breathing exercises because, you know, breath is life. Yeah. yeah. People, mm-hmm. you know, it, we take it for granted. We breathe all the time. Like, oh my God, you breathe all the time. You know, like you can't stop breathing. But most people don't really breathe consciously. And when you breathe consciously, it just changes how it affects you. It pulls oxygen into tissue. You know, you can change your heart rate. You can you can do things with breath that are extraordinary. Breath and water are one of the great tools to creating good health and well-being, mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, yeah. and spiritually. All right. Well, that's awesome. Okay, switching gears a little bit. Um, we just interviewed some women who worked at Playboy, and they were in charge of the young playmates, including Dorothy Stratton. And still today, they are traumatized for not being able to protect her, what happened to her. I'm just wondering if you can share your experiences. Um, that what, what experiences did you take with you playing her in Star 80? Well, it was a, it was a, it was a tremendous experience to work with Bob Fozzie, first of all. And he was an extraordinary director, and I loved, I loved making the movie. Mm-hmm. We had the same agent at the time. He did not want me at all to play the part. And I kept writing him letters <laughs> and begging him through my, through, through our collective agent. I kept saying, please just send him this letter. And I, and, and I flew out to New York and I wrecked for him. And there was something about the home that I was brought up in and the, and the understanding of wanting to be loved, looking for validation, not necessarily attention, but really like, how can I, I def, I define myself for many years through the eyes of people. And I really felt that I understood that about Dorothy. Right. I mean, her, her story's tragic and it's brutal and it's, it's horrible, but I understood 
who she was at a cellular level. I really understood the victim that she, well, the victim that she became, but, but she was that throughout. She was trying to, she was a people pleaser to such a degree. She couldn't even see that there was danger. You know, there was, she just wanted to, she wanted to be loved. She was looking for somebody to love her, you know, and I think that her husband, murderer, Paul Snyder was a father figure. It was somebody to take care of her. And then, you know, when it all kind of went wrong, she still had this empathy for him, you know, because he was that person that, that did come, kind of come to the rescue. Anyway, I just felt that I understood her and I wanted to work with Fossey and Fossey finally agreed. And it was a tough film. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was a film that stayed with me for many, many months afterwards. I cut my hair all off really short and dyed it really dark and it's <laughs> a really ugly perm. I mean, I just, you know, trying to exercise that character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you were amazing in it. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> what is the hardest thing you went through? And what steps did you use to come out of it? You know, once you've been through something, you start to think, well, no, made it through that. I mean, probably looking back on things that felt super, super scary to me when they were happening, like in my childhood, like whether, like when my mother was super sick or when my oldest sister was having a psychotic episode or something, mm -hmm. we think that our memories can actually hurt us. And what I'm here to tell you, because I know for a fact that memories can't do anything but just remind you of what happened and enable you to walk the steps through it to realize that now you're safe, now it's okay, and you can move on with your life, right? Yeah. But uh, we worry so much about things we don't understand and, and we worry about memory. You know, memories being trauma sometimes. We worry about those traumas and we think that if we touch on the traumas that it's going to start something in you. And actually all it does is it makes the trauma become a story. And when the trauma becomes a story, what can hurt you about a story? What can hurt you about a memory? It happened to you in the past. It doesn't mean that you have to forgive or forget or whatever, but it just means that you forgive yourself and that you're strong enough because you're supported by your best self. You're supported by God. You're supported by the universe, whatever you believe in, so that you can go through those, those dark memories and get to the other side and realize, wow, they don't have so much power over me. So that's kind of why I, I do a lot of speaking around the country. And I often tell my kind of story about growing up in Idaho and growing up in this family that I loved so much. And yet it was tumultuous mm -hmm. and had like weird experiences in Hollywood and all this stuff. They're all just stories, but I tell them and people like relate to them. They go, oh my God, I had that similar feeling when I was, you know, whatever. When my childhood, this and that, I was a caregiver. And then at the end I go, you see, I tell my story not because it's unique, not because it's the best story in the world or I was the most traumatized or abused, only because I want to tell you that it's okay to tell your story. 
so that you can move past it and go, yep, that's my story. Well, you're because helping it's back people. There, yeah, right? you're helping people with it. Yeah. Right. And, and then you become in the present moment. There's no problem here in the present moment. Yes, there's a war over there. Yes, there's craziness happening all over the place. But is there really any problem where you are right? No. But if a, if a situation comes up that's dramatic, there's solutions. You just take action. It's like, I'm going to protect through my family if I have to, but, you know, if something were to come up. I think that that's the key to understanding being present. Mm-hmm. Being present enables you to be strong in the moment. You are strong or flexible. When you're here, you can find solutions to whatever comes up because you're in the present moment. If your head's in the future or it's worried about the past and you're in a pattern of the past, you will make decisions based on something that happened or, or, or that you worried will happen. Instead of, if I'm in the present moment and, you know, the fire alarm goes off, I turn this, the camera off, I run into the kitchen and I turn, you know, I turn the stove off, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like we deal with things as they come up, don't deal with them based on something we thought 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Sometimes in my case, 55 years ago. <laughs> you know, it makes so much sense. Yet sometimes that is so hard to do because right. we live sometimes looking at ourselves in the rearview mirror. Yes. And it's such a it's such a waste of energy and anxiety. I and, know. You know. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's, but but the yeah. good news is it's possible. Am I always successful? I don't know. I, you know, I worry, you know, I worry about things. And it's like I realize, oh, my God, I'm not here. You know, and you just, you just course correct. You go, oh no, I'm here. Right. And I course correct. If I say something nasty, cancel, cancel, cancel. I send, you know, so-and-so a lesson. I'm going to use that one. It's really, (laughs) it's uniquely like powerful. It's a crazy thing. Do you want to share? I know we're running out of time. Do you want to share? Just uh, tell people about your website and what books, I mean, you've written a lot of books. If you can just share quickly about that. Absolutely. Um, well, my life partner and I, Bobby, we wrote a book called Running with Nature. I don't know if you've heard of One Commune, but One Commune does kind of like these masterclass programs that you can sign up for. Bobby and I are going to do them on simple life strategies, and we're going to do them on the seven greatest doctors. And the, the seven greatest doctors are Dr. Sound, Dr. Air, Dr. Nutrition, Dr. Exercise, Dr. Rest, Dr. Earth. There's one more nature and it's the fact that we can heal ourselves through the simple things drink water breathe get out in nature move your body uh you know get sunshine but all of the elements that come into those things because the power of water power of moving your body the power of earthing we do a lot of barefoot walking not so much when it's snowing i tried to go out this morning and then and why barefoot walking why barefoot walking? Because it grounds you. It's called earthing. So literally when your feet, so we, most of us are walking around the planet in rubber-soled shoes. And it didn't used to be that way. That only started in the 50s. Um, PF, they, were, they discovered, they invented PF flyers. We're supposed to make you jump higher and run faster. But they were rubber-soled. The minute we put rubber on our feet, we're grounded out. 
So literally, we don't have a connection to the earth anymore. So when you walk barefoot, say you go to the beach, you know, you're walking barefoot in the sand, you're connected to the earth and there's a frequency in the earth that comes up through the earth and into your feet. It's why we think that animals have a sixth sense. They're grounded their whole times. Their feet are on the ground, right? They go outside. Right, right. You know, right? And, and, and they know like the weather, they kind of like get skittish if there's going to be a storm. Horses are like that. Animals are like that. And we're animals. So when we ground, the frequency of the earth comes into our body, helps relieve uh, body inflammation and neural inflammation, which is brain inflammation. It gets rid of that. Um, because what happens when we're wearing these rubber sole shoes, and I wear rubber sole shoes, of course, because like everybody else, uh, there's a buildup of those, of those frequencies in the body, and there's no way to let them go. When you ground, when you go barefoot, and you can, you don't have to walk a trail or anything. You can just go out in your backyard in the grass, or you can even sit on a chair and just for 20 minutes have your feet on the ground, and it will release that buildup of electrons because we're electrical beings. We're made up of frequency. Right. So yeah, grounding is pretty profound. I did a movie. I, I'm a part of the movie and I'm also part of the company, uh, Earthing. It's called Earthing the Movie and the, and the company's called earthing.com. They're, they're amazing. They sell products so that you can sleep grounded and do all kinds of things and understand. Yeah. Well, Mariel, I can't thank you enough for all this advice. I, per on a personal level, I really needed all oh, this today. Oh, you're so awesome. <laughs> so thank you <laughs> so much. I'm so grateful for it. And it's, it's incredibly inspiring. I'm going to like dive into your books. Oh, <laughs> you're so sweet. I appreciate so, it so much. Well, this was great. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for, thank you for reaching out yeah, there in Catch Mind at Home. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Oh, enjoy your day, then, yes, and thank, thank you, you so much for your all your advice. And I hope maybe we can get you to come back oh, sometime absolutely. soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get Bobby to talk, and then I'll just be silent. And you'll be shocked. <laughs> Word, I'm like worried. Like... <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, so <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm gonna now have a really big morning routine, and I'm gonna say cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> I love it. And off it. with the, I'm not going to read the news at night. I'm actually going to replay. Those are all really, really, really awesome. great advice. Cool. Yeah. And say hi, right. Richard. <laughs> okay, I will. Have right. a good day. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. For info and links on our guests, go to our website, thenewfeminist.net, and make sure to subscribe. We always love to hear from you. If you have someone you think we should speak to, let us know. And make sure to follow on Instagram at The New Feminist Official. We'll be back in two weeks with a new podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Joel Sorensen. Thanks for listening. Our producers are Sienna Jackson and Joel Sorensen. Our editor is Lucy Baker Swinburne. Original music by Richard Baskin. You can contact us at thenewfeminist.net. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating or review. This is your host, Jill Sorensen. You've been listening to The New Feminist. Until our next episode, 
Thank you for listening.